This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Big matters. One is tonight is uh, the 18th of Thomas. We're now in the three weeks. So I definitely want to talk about the three weeks. Um, I also want to talk about Pasha Pinchas. I also haven't had a discussion with a kid this week on uh, a question that's brought up to me very often, and that is how do you know that there is a next world? How do you know uh, that there's such a thing as you know, you hear a lot about it, Ganadin, Gehenna, and all this stuff. But like the kid said to me, nobody ever came back to tell us about it. Right? If somebody would walk in the room and uh, someone that you knew that died and came back, then you would believe it. She said, right, well, it could be a fairy tale. Like, how do you know that there's a Ganadin and a Gehenna or another world altogether? Maybe this is the whole thing. This is it. This is it. Enjoy yourself. Party. So you drop. And that's it. When you drop, it's over. Good question. So I like to answer a little bit out of the box. And I said, okay, now I, hear, I hear your question. And in anything in this world, there's no exact proof because Hashem wants us to be talking. He wants us to believe in Him. And if you see it, then it's not belief. It's you saw it. If I tell you right now that outside the sun is shining and you believe me, right? That means you believe in me. That no matter what Ray Wallace says, it's true. There probably was some kind of crazy eclipse and the sun and the moon eclipse and the sun's out for some reason. If I tell you during the day the sun is out and there's a window in the room and you see the sunlight, you don't believe me, you believe what you saw. So we get a lot of credit for believing in Hashem even though we don't see Him. If He was to show us Gane then, then there's no more be talking. You lose your Bechira, you lose your choice. Okay, Rabbi, good answer, but that's not an answer. I said, okay, I'll tell you a story. Deep beneath the sea. It sounds like a Disney movie. Deep beneath the sea lived a bunch of fish. Right? And there were a bunch of little young fish that lived under the sea, and they were some very old fish. And they were having school. That's why it's called the school of fish. Uh, that's after, after fasting all day. Listen, what do you want? Anyway, so, so this old fish came to the old little young fish, and he said... Um, listen, I got to talk to you guys because if you want to grow old like me, there's certain things you need to know about life. He said, we are in a place called the ocean. Water, we have gills, we have fins, we have scales. Kosher fish, kosher story. Um, and there's a very big danger. If you go to the surface of the water that we're in, there are human beings with huge big nets and with these nets they catch fish this is a, a, a marshal brought by the Avas Chaim from Menachem Menach and they catch the, they catch fish with these nets and they take these fish and they cut up their heads and they cut them open and they take out their guts and then they fillet them they take out all their bones and then depending on what they're going to do with the fish they either cut them into pieces and broil them or fry them or the real mean ones put them in this big machine grind them up with onions and carrots and they make a thing called gefilte fish now these fish are looking at this old fish thing get out of here there is no such place a place of of of, of humans what are humans they say well humans they stand on two feet they look really silly. Um, they have two hands and two feet. And how they breathe. They have a mouth. 
And what about their gills? Do they have gills? No. Do they have fins? No. What do you mean? There can't be such a thing that doesn't have gills and fins and lives. He says, listen, I was lucky. I slipped out of their net. But I'm telling you that I saw the human beings. And I'm telling you that there is these creatures. And if you're going to go up to the surface, they're waiting for you. Okay. Being a little young fish, they don't believe. You never believe the old guys. They said, well, you did it, so why can't I do it and see what happens, right? Like we all say. You know, Dad, you did it, so I'm going to try the same thing. Your father's lucky enough to get through whatever he got through. Who says you're going to be so lucky, right? Okay. So the other time says, so these fish go up, and they're like, well, we, you know, they don't believe such a thing. A place, the, the old fish is telling them there's a sun. They never saw the sun. These fish live so deep. There are fish that live so deep in the sea, they don't even have eyes. They don't have eyes. Fish that have no eyes because they don't need eyes. There's no sunlight. It's all dark. So he's telling them about the sun and, and there's wind and boats and, and they're sitting there like, you know, you want to tell the fairy tales, we go to sleep with these tales. But there is no such thing, right? Peter Pan, like, it doesn't exist. Fine. I don't know why I'm very Disney tonight. Uh, Disney, Disney, I don't know where I am. But anyway, so they come out of the water. They come to the edge of the water. Of course, they're standing there with all their nets, the, the, this whole school of fish, right? And, uh, they take their nets and they hop up all these fish. And as the fish are being pulled out of the water and they start gasping for breath because there's no more water, they realize that everything that the old fish told them was true. In one moment, a million things came into play. Number one, that there's a place in the world that doesn't have water. Number two, that there's such a thing as something that doesn't have scales and fins and gills. Three, that there's such a thing called the sun. But by the time they find this all out to be true, they're dying. And kachaya, the people take the fish, of course, I don't have to tell you, and they fry them, and they kill them, and they cut them, and, and whatever it is. Abbas Chaim says this marshal is very, very scary. He says the same thing with people in this world. You have svarim, you have rabbis, and they get up and they tell you that there's another world. And in that other world, there's no human body there's souls and there's no hands and there's no feet and there's no eyes and there's no nose it's just a whole totally different world and there's no houses and no cars and no movies and none of that stuff and beware that if you make the wrong moves you're going to be captured by the wrong side and there is such a thing as a Yetzirah and there is such a thing as a Shadim and Mazikim and Acherim, and whatever, all these other powers in the world, and you're like, what are you talking about? So I ate a piece of trace meat, I don't feel anything, I don't see anything, so I touched the Tomei girl, so I'm Tomei, you feel any different? Tomei, no Tomei, I don't see it. There's no such world of things I don't see. I only believe in the world of three-dimensional. So you learn all these Svarim, and you learn about Tchisem, Mesim, and Ganeidin, and Gehenim, and Malachim, and Tumor, right? You go into a mikvah, and you say, yeah, I went to the mikvah, I came out of the mikvah, yeah, I'm a little more clean because I took a shower and the water's like uh, full of chlorine. But I don't feel any different. Nothing happened. You know, I don't see anything. And they talk about going to a mikvah. You tell me, come out of the mikvah, you tar. A woman goes, she's in either. She goes, before she walks into the mikvah, you can't touch her. She's tame. And then five seconds she comes, she goes into the mikvah, she comes out, she's purely tar. What happened here? What happened? I don't see nothing. Nothing happened, right? It's a body of water. So I go into my bathtub. So I go, you know, no, it has to be a mikvah. So all this tar that we learn is talking about a world that we can't see. So the young, small-headed people, right, say there's no such thing, I don't believe in the next world, I'm going to party in this world. And never, the moment that they die, 
that second when they die, all the things that they heard and they learned come into play. That there is a Hashem. That there is a Ganeidin. That there is a Gehenna. That there is a Yetzirah. That there are souls. All the things, but it's too late. Just like that little fishy, when he gets caught in the net, it's too late. He can't change. He can't save himself. When once a person's dead, you can't save yourself. You can't come back. Yeah, the most famous saying I always say in the next world is, give me one more chance. Everyone's walking around. One more chance. Like, you know, like like little babies. Give me one more chance. But there is no more one more chance. Give me two more minutes in the world. Now I know the truth. Ah, you got to go down. Now I know the truth. It's too late. And even if you know the truth then, I told you a story where it didn't help. But the mice, it's exactly the same story with the fish. So what happens? And let me tell you what the eight hour does. It's such a good muscle of fish. Maybe that's why Hashem created fish. I don't know. When you go fishing, I was a big fisherman. I love to fish. And um, so you take a worm, you put it on the hook, right? The worm is jumping around. You throw him into the water, and the fish sees the worm. Now, what does the fish say? The fish says, ah, right? He looks at the worm. The worm is wiggling. He gets all excited. It's lunch, right? The more the worm wiggles, the more that's why... You want to use a live bait. We use live bait because the worm wiggles. If it's a dead worm, it's, it has to be a dumber fish. You know, like sunnies go after that. If you want to get yourself a good pickerel, a good bass, so that worm's got to be moving. Well, you got to have a fly. It's not a fly fish. It jumps on the water. It, you know, that, that attracts the fish. The fish is thinking, wow, this is crazy. This worm's doing a dance for me. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting breakfast. I'm getting lunch. Right? And he jumps and bites that worm. And when he bites that worm, right, what does he think? I got the worm. What's really happening? The worm got you. The worm got the fish. Fish didn't get the worm. Because the worm is bait. The worm is not lunch. The worm is bait. The worm is only to get the fish out of the water into my pan. So the fish didn't get breakfast. Remember, Wallace didn't get breakfast. The fish didn't get the worm. The worm got the fish. So that's the, the Abbas Chaim. It's so beautiful. It's so real. Because you can just look at normal things in life and understand that what, what, what the Torah is telling us it's not weird. So the Yitzhahara, right? I got the girl. I got the girl. Ah! Right? I got the girl. No. The girl got you. The girl is the bait. And what she's on the hook. And what's at the end of that hook and that and that fish wire? Who's fishing for you? Sitting the salt on the devil. So when you jump and you got the Avera, I got the tray for food, I got the money, I got the girl, whatever it is that you're grabbing, and you're like, see? Good. What you don't realize is you didn't get nothing. They got you. Now you're lunch. You think you got lunch. And you end up being lunch. So we see in this world, it's amazing. We see in this world, in the stupid fisherman, in, in, in the relationship between the worm and the fish, right? When you're fishing for something, the fish, and I, I'm not fishing, man. You should see. Sometimes how they come after that worm. It's negative. That fish, I mean, he just swallows that hook. It comes popping out of his eye comes out of his ear, whatever it is. He's so hungry. It's doing such a nice dance for him, right? He just, just bites the whole the whole hook with the whole worm, with the whole, whole thing. And your mama, it's hard to get the hook out of it because it comes out of his gill, out of his eye. He swallows the whole hook. He doesn't nibble. It's boom. Sometimes he nibbles a little. Listen carefully to what I'm telling you. It's a, you know, I talk out of the box, but the, uh, this is very real. I'm talking now from a fisherman's point of view. When, the, when, the, when you have that little bobber on top that goes bobbing, right? So the fish, some, some of them are not so stupid. Some of them nibble a little bit on the worm to see if there's a hook there, right? A little nibble, a little nibble, then they bite, and then, then they're stupid, right? So sometimes the Yetzirah knows, or the guys in my Chabur are Tzadikim. 
So he's not going to throw a huge Avera in front of you. Because he knows a huge Avera, you're not going to... So what does he do? He throws these little things at you. And you say, okay, today I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm allotted to Shemini but let's Shemini Gia, or I'm going to steal a little bit, or just a little bit, right? And let's see if I get punished. Let's see if I get punished, right? So I wasn't Shemini Gia, nothing happened. Rawalsing gives all these Shiram, right? The world didn't crash down on me, she still likes me, all that stuff didn't happen. So you're nibbling on the Averis, you do a little Averis, you're testing. Okay, I didn't die in Chakras today, I didn't put on my tillums, what happened? I died, I didn't die, Right? But then what happens is you, you take another test and another test. And finally, Yitzhahara will build you to the point where you're going to go for the whole thing. When you go for the whole thing, all of a sudden he pulls you right out of the water. And you're done. So, and then by the time you're out of the water, all of a sudden you're saying, like, I didn't know about this whole thing. Meanwhile, all this farm, the Kaviyashu, all this farm that we're learning are telling us there is the Yitzhahara, there is Tumah, there is Malachim, there are Shadim, there are Mazikim. They do exist. This whole other world exists. There is a Gehenim, there is a Ganadim. But if you're going to let yourself be pulled in, you're not going to listen. So, here's, the, here's what happens. So the fish that lives on the bottom of the water that listens to the old man feels that he's missing something. When all the other, all the other fish swim up and they're like, you loser, man, listening to that old man. We're all going <coughs> to swim up to the surface. We're going to see what's going on. we got to college. we got to see what life's about. we got to be out there. we got to see what's going on. And this poor guy's like, but, but I trust this old man, you know, I trust what he's saying, and I don't want to go, and I don't want to go, and they're like, you're such a loser, you're such a geek, you're such a Harry, you know, what a loser, you know, staying here on the bottom, we're all going to have fun, and he sits there, and it's very hard for him, all the other fish go swimming up, and he's, laying, he's sitting there by himself, but two days later, when all those fish don't come back, and the, and the old fish says, no, what did I tell you, I told you they're waiting for them up there, then all of a sudden this fish realizes that Takahi will never see that surface, but he'll live to be the life the life of that old fish. He'll live to see his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, yet he won't see everything. He won't go to the movies, and he won't know the Yankees backwards and forwards, and every single guy's average, and, and the NBA, and the ABA, and the NHL, and he won't read every magazine, and he won't be able to know everything about every business, and all the politics, and the whole thing in the world. He, right, but at the other end of it, He's, he's going to be able to live in Torah and Mitzvahs. He's going to be able to live and to grow, right, for a very, very, very long time. So this is a mushal, and I told this to this kid. So I said, I cannot prove to you anything. I'm not going to prove to you anything. The only way I can prove to you is to kill you. If I kill you, you will find out the truth. But once I kill you and you find out the truth, it's too late. So you have to have what's called Bitochon, and you have to have what's called Imuna. And you have to believe the old man, the svarim that I brought down, that there is another world and there is a price to pay. And 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 when this thing looks too good, right? When it looks too good, be careful because it's probably bait, and you got to know who's holding that fishing rod. So be careful. The more it wiggles, right? The more to you, it's like something that you really want very badly. Like I once said to you, it's one of those truest statements I ever heard in my life. If you need to have it. You're not allowed to have it. If you need to have a drink, then you're an alcoholic. If you need to have a cigarette, then you're a smoke a cigarette addict. If you need to have a drug, then you're a drug addict. If you need to gamble, then you're a gambling addict. If you don't need to drink, I have no problem tonight if you put a bottle of shivas in front of me and I make a l'chaim, because I don't drink. I don't like to drink. I don't need to drink. So for me, I'm allowed to drink. 
because it has no meaning to me. But if someone's sitting here and he's like, man, I need this whole kabur with the fish, man. That's uh, that rabbi told me about the whole thing. You know, now I'm thinking of myself as a worm. I got to get drunk. I got to get blitz. You know, I'll drink. Because you need to drink. A person who needs to drink is not allowed to drink. Right? And therefore, what does that mean? That means when, the, when the, the thing that you need is so big, it's such an attraction to you. I must have this. I must go to this movie. I must talk to this girl. I have to talk to this girl. And it's this big bait. It means that at the end of this bait is someone that's trying to pull you out of this world. And who's trying to pull all of us out of this world and out of the next world is the Yetzirah. The person has to be very, very, very careful. And, and, and you have to, it, that, that's the talking. That's why I told this kid. Is that a proof of the next world? No. It's not a proof of the next world. But there's, there's a bit talking that, that we have thousands of years given over from Svarim of what's going on in the next world and of Tumor and, and Malachim and spirituality that we have to believe that Hashem doesn't want to show us. He doesn't want to show us. By the time He shows us is a time when you have no choice anymore because you don't need choice anymore. When is that? When you're dead. So when a person's last second in this world to be the greatest terror when he realizes all my life I partied and I was just a, I was just a fish fighting, you know, pulling this bait. Now the Yetzirah is going to take me and drop me into the lowest level of, of Gehenna. Or it's the greatest Simcha when the Tzaddik dies and he realizes I've been right all my life. And all my tzila and everything that I did and everything that I did at the bottom of the ocean and I did the right thing. So it's, it's called the moment of MS. The, mo- the moment of a person's death, is the, it could be Nishika. It could be the greatest kiss because you realize it was right. Everything I believed in was right. Well, chas v'shalom, if, you had a, if you, your life, you sinned your whole life, it's the greatest agony, agony. It's the greatest pain. The realization of the truth can be absolutely fantastic and can be absolutely very terrible. This is this is what this was one of the stories that I that I told this kid. I think it's, everyone needs to know this. Everyone wants a proof of God, and then and there are guys that go around giving proof, proving God. There's proofs of God. You know, there, there's 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 the Rabbi Rabbi mechanic. It's also very important. Don't get me wrong, Rabbi Milstein, and and they have a, a whole project of proving God. But the real be talking to God is I don't need proof. I don't need proof. The real proof of God comes after a person leaves the world. Okay. That was just something that um, something that came up. And then I said to him, you know, while I'm on the subject of worms, I don't know, don't, I'm sorry, that, you know, I figured you fasted a whole day. I could talk about worms. <laughs> not that. Um, so I, I once told a story in class. I don't think I ever said it in Chabura. If I did, I said it maybe when I first started Chabura. Um, it was called King Under the Rock. Did you ever hear my story, King Under the Rock? Yeah, like three years ago. Okay, my time is not so good. So, King Under the Rock was about a worm. That same same story. I was a fisherman, so in camp, how do we find worms to go fishing? So, what you do is you turn over a rock because it's moist underneath the rock. You turn over the rock, and all those earthworms that are under the rock would go scurrying away. And we would take those worms, and that's what we'd use to go fishing. Now, let's look under the rock for a moment. Under the rock, who's the king? Who's the king under the rock? The worm. The worm is the biggest. If you ever turn over wet rocks, you'll see that underneath there, there's a whole world under the rock. There are worms. There are teeny little green bugs and blue bugs and red bugs and ants and all kinds of stuff going on. But the biggest guy laying there like a fat king, right, is the worm. The world of the worm. The king of under the rock. He lays there. He's the biggest. He's the longest, right? And everybody serves him under the rock. And as long as they're under the rock, all the bugs under the rock think the worm is it. He's the big, he, he's the king. What happens? Where Wallstein comes walking up and flips the rock. Now, the minute I flip the rock, all these other bugs under the rock realize, hold on, this world is not under a rock. We're just teeny little things in a huge world. Blue sky, clouds, 
birds, butterflies, which are ten times the size of these things, right? Butterflies, bees, flies, flowers, grass. Oh my God, what a realization for all these bugs. The worm, who's the king of underneath the rock, all of a sudden just lost his job because there's a lot of things that are a lot bigger than him. Not only that, all of a sudden these two fingers come down and pluck this worm, and all the little bugs are looking at this worm and saying, now let's see what happens to you. And this guy pulls him apart into a few pieces and puts him on his hooks to go fishing. And the bugs realize that who they thought was God, who they thought was the leader, all he is is fish food. He's nothing. He's nobody. But as long as you don't pull that rock off the worm, right? Until you pull that rock off the worm, the bugs will swear and bow down to, to the Lord of the rock, under the rock, to the worm. When a Kushbarch takes a person out of this world, all he does is flip the rock. We all live under this rock. We live in this teeny little, we think, large world. We're a bunch of little buggies walking around. Who's the king? President the Bush, the guy in the block that has the most money, the strong, physically the strongest guy in the gym. We have all our measurements of who's the king, who's the boss, who's the king. In this little teeny world underneath the rock, we think money makes you king, <laughs> good looks makes you king, you're, you're the boss, you're the owner of the company. Eh? But when a person dies, they flip the rock. When they flip the rock, it becomes a realization that this world... And if you learn anything in Kabbalah, Earth is a you know you don't need Kabbalah. Just learn about Earth, Earth science or whatever you need to learn in science. Earth is a teeny little planet. It's nothing. It's a teeny little planet amongst millions and billions and zillions of planets, constellations, uh, suns, and stars, and we're nothing. We're a teeny little nothing. Everybody walks around on the Earth that is nothing and thinks, you know, who I am. You know who I am. I go to the gym, man. You know, I could press, I, I, I could bench press. 300 pounds. You know who I am? I got a beautiful new Mercedes. I got my Beamer outside. Do you know who I am? Sugar, your little teeny worm underneath a rock on a planet Earth, which is nothing compared to the seven Rikias, the seven heavens. This world is, is huge. So what happens? When a person dies, they take the rock and they uncover. And that's why it says that when a person dies, you can see from one end of the world to the other. Now you can't. Why can you see from one end of the world to the other when you die? When you're alive, you can't. You can see a mile. What's the visibility of a person? I don't even think a mile. You can't see a mile, right? We can't see a mile with our eyes. Or how high was it? 2,000 feet, 20,000 feet, I don't know, whatever. With your eyes, unless you're flying in the sky, you know, you can't see that much. You die, says you see from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Why? Because they flip the rock. Because when you die, you're not using these anymore. You all of a sudden, they flip the rock. You're in this crazy, huge world. So to see from one end of the world in our world, from one end of the world to the other, is nothing. Is nothing. Is less. Is less of all the worlds than what you can see right now, a mile, whatever you can see. So when a person dies at that moment, they flip the rock and he realizes that the worm is not that you are the worm. You're the biggest guy in your pants, you know, in your shirt and pants, and where you stand, I'm the man, right? All of a sudden, you realize I was the man underneath the rock. But once you take the rock off, I'm not the man anymore. What makes you the man is your mitzvahs and your Torah. And therefore, in the next world, the, the height and, and how huge a person is, is by, not by physically how big he is or how much money he has, but it's by his Torah and his mitzvahs. But you don't see that here. 
You can't see that. Yes, you can see a tzaddik and look at him and he looks really pious and he looks really good, but you don't see the greatness and you only see that in the next world. So you have to understand that what we are in this world is really a constraint. The human body is a constraint on your neshama. Your neshama is squeezed and squashed and pushed into your body. Outside of your body, it's, it's a huge light. It has, it has visionary. It's much greater than anything that, that, that's in this world. And therefore, a person has to, has to believe in the Chachamim. And that's why Judaism is based on the Sorah. It's based on, on what's given over to us from my father and his father and his father and his father. Because all those fish on the bottom of the sea that gave us over this Torah, they were not hooked. They did not become, um, uh, what's it called, uh, bait. They didn't go for the bait. And therefore, they were able to write for him and they were able to give advice. And they were able to tell us what life is really about. And it's hard. It's hard not to follow, especially in the summer. Not to follow the chevra and not to go out and go where they're going and to be like, oh, you're weird. What, you went through a wealthy share? Like, you know, what, you turned into a twerp? Like, what happened to you? And you're sitting there you're like, this, this hurts. But the bottom line is, you're not becoming, you're not becoming fish food. You're not, you're not, you're not being hooked by the Yitzhahara. And let me tell you, he's hooking left and right in the summer. He's hooking left and right. He's got all kinds of things wiggling out there to chop every single guy as, as, as to grab him and to, and, and, and to reel him in. 100%. 100%. So we have to understand, we have to be smart enough to be able to swim away and to, to, to turn our heads and not to look and not to go to these places and to move away from it, to understand that this is, this is I'm not getting the worm, the worm is getting me. Okay, so anyway, this is what I did, this, this poor kid asked me one question, he figured it would be a two-minute answer, and then I can sat with you for an hour and a half. Okay, you guys are only here 20 minutes, I'm not so bad. All right. So, before I go into Pasha's Pinchas, I just want to talk about the three weeks for two minutes. Um, so they start. They started today, and the halakha of the three weeks, I think, is a, I, I think Svarim and Ashkenazim. I know the swimming part isn't, but I, I'm going to talk from the Ashkenaz point of view. So in the three weeks, we can't listen to music, and we can't shave. Um, we don't go to. We, those are the two main. We don't take a haircut. Those are the Shachianu. Okay, that's not something that everyone has. But we don't make a shachianu. Um, right. We don't buy new clothing. We don't shave. We don't shave. And we don't take haircuts. And every year I get all the questions, uh, and you're listening to music. And I get all the questions of Rabbi, and I got already one today. Rabbi, the halacha of not listening to music, if you listen, if it's taped music, is that okay? I get this every year. In other words, is the halacha only live music? Or tape music is fine, and some rabbis say tape music is fine, it's not live. And what about if you need the music to drive in your car, right? Because otherwise you get a headache. So you need the music. So I'm not really listening to the music. The music's sort of listening to me. But it's, it's helping me do my job. So can you do that? Okay. If you have a meeting, can you shave? And all the different questions that I get. And, and I think it's a very... And I usually bite those people's heads off. Why? Because it's a very big misunderstanding, and I'd like to give an understanding tonight. I think this is really more important even than talking about the parsha. I want to—you have to get an understanding of what the three weeks are. I, I, I think that people just don't get it. Now, I, I don't want to—I mean, I'm on film, and, and so I have to be careful what I say. And if I wasn't on film, I have to be careful what I say. But there's a minig that people make siyumim during the nine days, because during the nine days you're not allowed to eat meat. So people make a seum so that they can eat meat. 
And all of a sudden, people are finishing receptors. <laughs> <laughs> a whole year, I have never, a whole year this year, I got invited to one see him. In the nine days, I'm already invited in my, in my bungalow colony to ten. It's only nine days, but I'm invited to ten see him. And there are organizations that are making barbecues in the nine days. Some big organizations. I'm not saying bad about them. They have their rabbis. They're making barbecues in the nine days because they're making a see him. Now, halacha is that if you make a seum, you're allowed to eat meat at the seum, right? Or a pigeon amen or a bris. And therefore, you're allowed to invite 10 people. So you have to be careful. If someone invites you that you have nothing to do with, who we ne- normally would not invite you. So that seum, you really not. It's very shady area about, about you know, what you do. But all of a sudden, everyone's running their restaurants. You go to the restaurant, they hire a guy to make a seum so they can serve flesher. Now, it's halakhically correct. But I think that they're missing the whole point. So let me explain to you my feeling, my feeling on this. What happened today, Shabbat we said in Slichus, five things happened. One of them was the Luchos broke. Moshe Rabbeinu threw the Luchos, he saw the ego, he wrote the Luchos. One was the wall of Yerushalayim was broken into. One was the um, they brought a cell, they brought a a carbon in the uh, to the Avodah They put a cellum in the Avodah Zara in the base Hamikdash. Um, the what? The carbon tomat stop, which they put a pig in the New basket and it went up the, the wall of Yerushalayim. And they burned the safe stone, right? So a lot of bad things happened today. Someone came up to me and said, "Today, you know, it's like a really tough day. I'm fasting. I'm like." Yeah? <laughs> Take a look at Slichas. I think they had a tougher day, you know, in Eretz Yisrael at that time. Okay. Now, everyone is missing the picture. Listen to me carefully. Everybody thinks that the three weeks and the nine days is about us. We lost the Beis Amigdash. We lost Korbanos. We lost Yerushalayim. Our Luchos were broken. Wrong. Totally one. 100% wrong. That is not why we have three weeks. That is not why we have nine days. The reason we have three weeks available and nine days is because Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lost his base HaMikdash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu lost his carbon tumult. HaKadosh Baruch Hu broke his luchos. That is why the three weeks and the nine days we are in Avelis because the, 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 the base HaMikdash was destroyed. Millions of Jews were killed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu lost his children. Lost his shechina, had to leave the base on Megdash. He lost his home. His palace was burnt. His children were killed. He was sent into exile until Mashiach comes. That is why there are three weeks and nine days. Now, which means that God is sitting shiva. God is in his shloshim. Now, now ask me the question, guys. Now ask me the question. All right, God is sitting, he's sitting, he's in Abel, he's sitting on a low chair in his house. Rebbe, I want to know, can I come to visit God with my boombox on my shoulder, playing, but it's not live? Can I go? Would you ask me such a question? Would anyone in this room go to visit an Abel? Me benachem Abel? With a boombox? And, and, and when everyone goes, oh my God, how could you do this? What do you mean, it's not live? <laughs> Would that be a question? So, it's a total misunderstanding of what's going on here. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in Avelos. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Klai Yisrael, you can't even do something. There's no Avelos that you could have. There's no Avelos that you could have to feel my pain. You can't. Why? Because there's no comparison when God forbid you should never ever know from this. When a parent loses a child, life is over. It's over. When a child loses a parent, life goes on. The reason it's brought down, it's a little, it's not, a, it's, it's, you know, it's a three weeks. Like, I'm not going to talk to chappy stuff. If a, father, if, a, if, a, if a parent loses a child, his whole availus is 30 days. If a husband loses a wife or a wife loses a husband, their whole availus is 30 days. If a, if a child loses a parent, their availus is a year. Why? Why, if you lose a parent, you have to be in Oval for a year. If you lose a child, you're only in Oval for 30 days. And if you lose a, a wife or a husband, you're in Oval for only 30 days. And the answer is that if a parent loses a child, there's no reason for that parent to, to be in Avelis more than 30 days because he's going to be in Avelis for the rest of his life anyway. He's in Avelis forever. If a, a, if a, 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 um, a wife loses a husband or a husband loses a wife, they don't need to be in Avelis more than 30 days because every night when they come home and they go to sleep in their bed alone and they sit at their dining room table alone and they sit at the kitchen alone, they're in Avelis. They know they lost somebody. They're, they're lonely. They're by themselves. But when a kid, this is God. God gave us our halachas. When a kid loses a parent, if Hashem wouldn't make you be sad for a year, you'd forget about them after 30 days. Because you lost your parent. And now you're married, and you're going to work, right? And you got to go back into your life, and you got kids. So it's sad, and you'll say Kaddish, but the feeling of loss is not really there every single day. You get used to it. When a person loses a child, you can never get used to it. So Hashem said, you don't need more than 30 days, you don't even need 30 days, because you, you're in Avelis your whole life. When, it, when, it, when, a, when a wife and a husband lose each other, Hashem doesn't have to make you say every day Kaddish to remind you that you lost your wife. You're going to go home, and the bed next to you is going to be alone, and the wife going to see her husband's hand in the bed. She doesn't need that. But Hashem says, you kids, you got to say Kaddish every day to remember you lost your father. Because if I don't make you say Kaddish every day for a year, you'll forget about him after 30 days. That's why there's availus for a year for a parent and no availus. So therefore, therefore, the pain that God has, that he was thrown out of his house, out of his house, his children were, were shafted like babies in the streets and starving, which we'll talk about Tisha B'av, how they starved and how they were murdered and how they were killed. Hashem says, you cannot understand what I feel like. Okay, so if we can't understand how you feel like, what do you want from us? So Kishbofa says, I want symbolism. That's all I can ask you for. I want you to show a symbol of Avelis. So, don't shave. It doesn't hurt not to shave. It's not painful not to shave. There are a lot of guys that have beards. But a symbol of that you're sad for me, so don't shave. A symbol of your sadness, don't listen to music. I'm a lot sadder, my Gershbaku says, than not listening to music. But I'm not telling you to fast for three weeks. I'm telling you to fast two days out of the three weeks. But don't shave, just to show, to show a symbol, just like an oval doesn't shave. You see him in shul and he didn't shave, you know, right away, this guy lost somebody. Without him crying, he's not crying. He's in shul, he's not crying. He's talking to his friend, he's kidding. But there's a guy that shaved every day. All of a sudden you see him in a, in a, in a two-week beard, you're like, oh, he lost somebody. 
what happened to you? You know, who'd you lose? Right? And then sometimes people get very nervous. The guy stopped and shave, and they're like, you know, did I hear? Did you say shiver? Did I know? And he's just like, no, I'm just lazy. I didn't shave for three weeks, whatever. But, but that's a symbol of Avelis. Music, not listening to music, is a symbol of Avelis. Not cutting your hair is a symbol of Avelis, but it's not the Avelis. So what happened to us? What happened to us? Not only we don't have the Avelis, not only we're not sad during the three weeks, but we don't even have the simon of the Avelis. The simon of the Avelis in the nine days is not to eat meat. That's not enough to show how, when Hashem's pain is, so you didn't need steak. So everyone's running to the pizza shop. It's so bad to eat pizza and to eat fish and to eat the, the tofuri and, 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 and sushi and pasta. and Right? Hashem knows that you're not starving. But Hashem says, don't eat meat as a symbol that you're showing that I understand, Hashem, that you're not available. So what do we do? We say, not only we don't feel your pain, but the symbol that you want for the pain, I'm not doing that either. See you. We're making it see you. So I'm going to eat meat, so I'm not even showing that symbol. Yeah? How crazy? How, and I'm going to listen to music because it's not live. You missed the whole, po- you missed the whole point. They're not listening to music. It's for three weeks. Say to Hashem, I love music, Hashem. I, you're in such pain. This is the anniversary of losing your children. It's the yard site. These three weeks of losing your children, losing your city, losing your palace, losing your home, losing everything. So for these three weeks, Hashem, I don't want to listen to music. I'm not interested in listening to music. I don't want to because I feel your pain. I'm not looking for a way to find out how I can listen to music. Can I go to a Broadway play that's sad? Can I go to one? Can I go to an opera? Can I go to an opera that's known as a tragedy? La Traviata. It's a tragedy. In three weeks. It's tragedy. I'm going to opera that's a tragedy. Crazy questions. I get crazy questions. Crazy questions. So, so they're missing the whole. They're missing the whole point. I, I have to tell you a story. Maybe we a perfect. Beautiful marshal, which made a which when I heard this marshal changed my three weeks, nine days. So I, I'm telling you, a lot of Christ, well, we missed the whole point. We missed the whole point. Guys go, listen to me, guys go in the three weeks and the nine days to Yankee games and to Met games. Why do they go to Yankee games and Met games? Because they don't go to movies. So we can't go to movies, so let's go to the Yankee game. Meshugana. That's how you're showing that chef you're in pain, that he lost his children, you're sitting by a Yankee game? What are you doing? The symbolism is not, it's not the movie. It's to say, Hashem, I'm in pain. So with you for three weeks, I'm not going to Yankee games. No. All of a sudden, everyone's going to Yankee games. I can't go to the movie. They're going to Yankee games. So just missed the whole, we missed the whole point. We mamas missed the whole point. And it's a thrill. The front people, what do they do? They sit every night for three weeks, and they say, take a cut size. Even the ones who don't say Tikkun Chatzais every night during the three weeks, they call me and my Rebbe said, you're going to listen to Chaya, say Tikkun Chatzais in the three weeks. Sit down on the floor, 12 o'clock in the three weeks at night, and say, cry for the Shekhinah. Don't go to a Yankee game, or go to a movie that has no music. That's not, that's not, we missed, we missed the whole point, we missed the whole point. So there's a, a beautiful, beautiful marshal, and a mamish, it captures the whole point. So, give me a sitter, please. Where do we say in Shon Esther every day? The Sechazema Eneinu, the Shufcho Litzion Barachamim, Barachatel Hashem, blessed are you, Hashem, Hamachzi Shchinatel Litzion, who's going to return the Shchinat Litzion. We daven every day, Yishalayim Echa, Barachamim Toshu, Akash Bochu, please bring back Yishalayim, please bring back your Shchinat, the Kabbalah Shaykh, the God of the Chayyim, 
blow that shofar, the kavit, yachim, yavakam, bring us all together, bring us there to throw. This is Ashman Esrei, right? We all have Ashman Esrei. This is Ashman Esrei. This is a beautiful marshal. Listen to this marshal. It says, there was this king that was put in exile. And the people thought that this king wasn't such a great king. So they put him in exile. Along came a new king. This new king was mean and bitter and terrible. This king, there was a, a very wise man that was very close to this king, but the king was in exile. He was in that country now that was taken over by this new king. And the people were miserable. And the people said to this king, to this wise man, he'll listen to you. You go to the king in exile and tell him to come back. Tell him that we missed him. We made a big mistake. We sent him into exile. This is the biggest mistake we ever made in our lives. Because what we got instead is not good. Okay. The wise man comes to the king in exile. And he says to the king in exile, your people are waiting for you. And the king in the exile says, my people are waiting for me. These are the people who threw me out. They threw me out. What do you mean they're waiting for me? He says, no. They want you back. The new king is miserable. They want you back. He says, how do I know they want me back? I'm not going back unless I know for sure. So the wise man was very smart. He says, this is what we'll do. You're going to get dressed like one of the plain peasants. You're going to go with me. We're going to go back into the country. And we'll listen to the people. And we'll see what they're saying. And if you see that they want you back, will you come back? And the king said, if I see they want me back, I'll come back. Okay? So he gets dressed up as a peasant. And the two of them go walking. And they come to the first town. And in the first town... There's a big soccer match, and everybody's sitting there, and they're drinking beer, and they're having the time of their life, and they're screaming, goal, score, and everyone's having a party, and the kids are having a good time, everyone's having a good time, and this king is standing there and saying to the wise man, it doesn't seem to me that they're having any problems with the king that they're having right now. They seem to be very happy. He goes, okay, maybe this town, and they go from town to town. One town, there's a soccer game, one town, there's a baseball game, one town, everybody's sitting in the tavern drinking, one town has a casino, everybody's playing, one town has a Walmart, everyone's having a good time, right? One town has a Catskills, everybody's swimming, everybody's having a good time. So the king turns to this wise man and says, it's a lie. You, 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 you're trying to get me back, it's a lie. People seem to be very happy here. They're not, they don't want me back. The wise man has a problem. He says, okay, let's go, let's go to the old palace. Palaces, the new king came, he burnt the palaces in shambles. And the people that still live around your old palace, I'm sure that they miss you. Let's go, maybe it's worth coming back as king for them. So the king says, okay, if they really miss me, I'd come back for them. So, you're going to have to move the camera because I want to stand up a little bit. I'm going to get some here. So, listen to what happens. They come, I'll be sitting down again, you have to move it up and down. So, he comes, the king comes to this, his palace, right? He comes walking up to his palace, and he sees by the old broken walls of the palace that there are people taking pictures. Pictures. And they're taking their kids, and they're putting them in front of the palace, and they're saying, you know, this is the place that the king used to be. It used to be a beautiful palace. I'd love to get a picture. Tourists. I'd love to get a picture of you in front of the palace. And they're taking pictures with their cell phones, and they're taking pictures with their new cameras, and their digitals, and their movie cameras. And the kids are having a good time, and they're laughing, and they're hugging. And, and the king's like, this is what they did to my broken palace? This is what they're doing? They made it into a picture gallery? 
because I don't want I, I, I don't want any part of this country. They don't want me back. They're not waiting for me to come back. This whole thing is a lie. And he went back into exile, and that was it. Dugma Magid says this, this mashal. And he says, we say, all of us, that Davin, we say in Shemar Esrach, we want you back. We threw you out. We sure got like the Zara. We did Shvichas Damim. We did Gilead Royas. We threw you out of your house. We brought in a new kingdom. The Greeks, the Romans, the Babylonians, American culture, rap culture, black culture, all these cultures. We took instead of you. But Hashem, we want you back. Please come back. All you guys say that every day. And Hashem says, how do I know? How do I know you really want me back? Okay, because you don't believe me? Come, check it out. All right, let's see what's going on. I'll come to Brooklyn, and I'm probably going to see all the Jewish people walking around with their heads down to Brooklyn and broken, and saying, Oy vey, this life that we live is terrible. <clears throat> we miss you, King. We need you back. We realize that when you were in this world, there was no cancer. And when you were in this world, there were no poor people. When the Beit HaMidrash and Mekayim and Kleisrol had everything in exuberance. And we miss you very much. And I said, okay, let me go look. Where should he go look? In the clubs? Guys are having a good time. In the movies? In your house? While you're sitting by the internet having a party? Where? In the pool hall? In the movie theaters? Where are the Jews that are crying? Hashem, we miss you. Everyone seems to be having a very good time. At the Yankee game? At the Gimek game? Where? Where are the Jews that miss me? Everybody's happy. All right, we'll go to the Catskills. Check those guys out. Maybe the guys in Walmart. Thousands of boys and girls standing there. They don't seem to be missing Hashem. Maybe in the bungalow colonies Friday night when everybody's talking to each other. Different couples talking and partying and Matzi Shabbos, Monticello Raceway, and the movies. And where, Hashem says, where are these Jews that miss me, that want me back? And they're not there. And Hashem says they're a bunch of liars. In Shemar Yisrael, they say, Come on, come back to Tzion, Hashem. So, so, okay, Hashem. But if you come back, you're right. Nobody really misses you much. But if you go to the place where your house was destroyed three weeks, nine days, if you go there, then you'll see that there are people that miss you. Okay, for those people, I'll come back. So Hashem goes to the Kaisal Maravi. <coughs> and what's going on by the Kaisal Maravi? <coughs> All the Ameri- everyone's there. Pictures. Bar Mitzvah! Turn to the left, turn to the right. Put your children on this way, put your children on that way. His wall, Hashem's wall, of the great destruction of his house, became a picture gallery, a social gathering on Friday nights. What did it become? A place where girls and boys sit outside the chutzah on certain nights. In Akiva, this one, that one, sitting together. What happened? This is the house. This is what's destroyed. I became a tourist attraction. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to be part of this. They don't want me back. So the Chacham and Chazal came up with three weeks and said, 
Kosh Baruch Hu, we're, we're humans. And yet, we're enjoying, our, we're, we're enjoying ourselves in America. And we don't really miss you that much. But three weeks out of the year, nine days out of the year, Oshfur Shecholboy, Fisfadi, out of the year, Kosh Baruch I'm going to show you that I'm not happy with the new king. I'm not happy with the internet. I'm not happy with the culture that I live in. I really miss Russia. I really feel bad that you lost all your, so many of your children and you lost your home and you lost your house. And therefore, for the next three weeks, I will not listen to any music. And I will not shave for any meeting. And I will not take a haircut. And I will keep three weeks of our veils. And I can't feel your pain, God, because you're the father that lost a child. And I'm the child that lost the father. And there's a very big difference. I can't feel your pain, but the symbolism of what I feel, I will keep. And that's a person who understands the three weeks, and that's not a person who's going to say, a wall scene, can I listen to music that you take? Can I go to a movie that movie has a music? What are you doing at a Yankee game in the three weeks? What are you doing at a casino in the three weeks? Guys go to the casinos in the three weeks. They may ask the casino manager to turn off the music. You know, there's no music piping into the, into the where they're playing. Maybe, I don't know. So because Walter comes in, where are, my, where are my people? Who, where? They're in the casino. I lost my child, and they're in the casino. So I think we just missed the whole picture. The picture is that the three weeks is a symbol of our understanding, not our pain, of our understanding Hashem's pain which is something we can't understand. And therefore, what I spoke last night about the rose. When you give a girl a rose, right, it's two bucks. She should take it and throw it in your face. You spend two bucks on me? You cheapo. Right? You come home to your wife and you bring her a dozen roses. Of course, you, well, you find the ones for a dollar, twelve dollars. <laughs> and then the guy on the whatever on the highway is ten dollars. If you're really a good guy, it's two dollars long stand, right? Twenty-four dollars. You come home with twenty-four dollars worth of roses and she melts. She melts. But if you buy her a diamond ring for $10,000, she looks at it and goes, I don't really like the way it's cut. I, I, wanted, I wanted an emerald you brought me around. You think yourself, my wife is nuts. 24 roses, she took, and there's no problem. Right? I want black roses, red roses. You bring any kind of rose home, she's happy. Longer roses, short roses, fine. You brought me roses, I love you. But a diamond ring, I spent $10,000. I don't like the setting. I don't like the cut. Maybe we should go back and change it. Right? Why? What happened over here? The roses, she doesn't care the diamonds she cares. The answer is that the roses, she knows you're not, the roses are not how much you love her. She knows you love her more than 24 bucks. So the roses is a symbol of your love for her, which is infinite. So she doesn't want a different kind of rose because the rose is not your love. The rose is a symbol. So therefore, it's too You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.